we're in James, uh, James chapter 4, uh, verse 13 through 17, it's right at the end of chapter 4. So before we get started, uh, I need, we need some participation. So, show of hands for my people who are planners, the spreadsheeters, the list makers. Where are you people? I, I know I'm asking you to dip your toes in the water of spontaneity by raising your hand on the plane. But, alright. Now, where on the other, those are my peeps. Those are the, uh, the control freaks. I speak your language. Um, where are my hipsies, gypsies, vagabonds, nomads, and undecided college freshmen? Hey, I got one in the back. That's it? Just one? Where are you people? Apparently, they're, they're on like a herd somewhere else. So, anyway, so this is going to be uh, a message which one certain group of people, i.e. the planners, will not like what James has to say, and then like the hippies and gypsies will want to amen uh, what James has to say, and you know maybe point at the significant others and say, see, I told you we shouldn't plan for things. Um, that's typically how that works. So, anyway, let's get into this. So, James, for, we have your blue Bibles here in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, yours are hard to read. You can take one that's there where you can bow out. I think that's uh, four, either four or five hundred Bibles they've given away so far. So that's a pretty cool thing. So feel free to take that. We're getting some, some new ones coming. So here we go. 4.13. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Just to follow that up and to really stick it to us. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Just to make sure that's really clear. James wants to throw that out there for you. So, so my party planning people, that sting a little bit? My spreadsheets. I love the spreadsheets. So, yeah, that was a, I'm a, I'm a planner. As a matter of fact, believe it or not, I have a day job. I don't just hang out here on this little part of the stage and play guitar all day, although I would like to. Uh, so, in my day job, I, I got a business degree from Shawnee State, uh, so I, I do businessy things. So, right now I'm doing sales. Part of the thing that I do, like all day, is do sales forecasts, which is basically exactly what he's talking about here. So I just, you know, figure out what we're going to sell this month, and I turn it into a little thing, and says, all right, we're going to, you know, sell $1.1 million worth of relevant stuff. Uh, and it's, it's never right. And so, because that's how forecasting works. So, uh, you know, there's a truck shorty, everyone's leaving to go frack in North Dakota. That's a real thing, believe it or not, so you can't find trucks. Uh, you didn't know you were going to be like current event and issues with the business world tonight, did you? Uh, so there's all these different things going on, and, and your forecasts are never right, and it really seems to be like no one cares, because you turn it in and it's never right, and no one ever says anything. Like, oh, that's just how it goes. Uh, and, and then to take it a step farther, uh, to really just make me feel like my whole job and everything I do is simple, uh, for like the last probably three or four months, we've been looking at opening a second location. So we've literally been looking to go to a different town and figure out how many ties we have to make to make a profit. Therefore, uh, it would make sense to do this. 
So we're getting close on that. So that is like verbatim what the text is saying that these guys are going to do, that is simple. So, um, so that was pretty much, you know, how I spend my day, basically doing all these things that are simple that I shouldn't be doing. Um, so how does this work? How, how does this work to have this idea that you can't plan? Is that what James said? Does James say we can't plan? Does James say, you know, well, if you plan, you're circumventing God's problems and things, and so therefore don't plan Luckily for the planner people, that is not exactly what James is saying. Um, James actually gives us a, a hint into that if we look at uh, 15. 15 says, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. So there is kind of this assumption that we're going to have some sort of plan, right? That we're just not, unfortunately for the hipsies, gypsies, vagabonds, and nomads, not in undecided college freshmen. We're not just waking up every day uh, and being like, oh, where the Lord takes us, he takes us, which would be a cool way to live to some extent. Um, but I think you know, it is wise to have some preparation uh, for, for what we're going to do throughout the day. So James believes it as uh, a way for us to approach planning or approach a question. And a matter of fact, the way that he poses this question, um, it really kind of digs in deeper than just plans. Um, let's look at the question that he asks us. It's 14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? So how many times you can take a break, you uh, gypsies and hippies. How many times for the planner people do we make a plan for like tomorrow, what we're going to do? And we expect this plan to happen, right? Because we woke up today, we expect to wake up tomorrow, um, you know, our job was there yesterday. Well, hopefully, it didn't work yesterday. Maybe it did. But our job was there Friday. We expect to come to our office on Monday. Um, school was out on Thursday or Friday. We expect to show back up to the, you know, the classroom on Monday. And you know, the professor's going to be there, hopefully, like 17 minutes late, so you can bail. You don't have to stay the whole time. That's still a little doubt. It's 15. Depending on if they're a doctor. What? Yeah. For real? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 30 minutes I have to wait? You know how to get them really mad? Is if you just tell them, last time I checked, I paid for you to show up, so I would appreciate it if you'd show up on time. Otherwise, I have to start docking you for the time that we spent. There's a dude who tried that once. He didn't make it in the class. So. Um, uh, anyway, so... We expect these things to be there, right? We expect uh, whatever happened yesterday or whatever we're planning to be there. Um, but when you think about it, how do we know that it's going to be there? How do we know that that's going to be there? And I think what we find um, is, you know, when we plan, we have these expectations. Uh, when we do life, we have these expectations of, of things just to keep going, kind of, on the ground, whatever it is, and we find that that gets us in a rut that eventually gets us to what we call the daddy pants, which is you know, a huge theological term, not really with the term we use on here, uh, but the daddy pants. And the daddy pants is where uh, we decide that, that we, we are going to be God, so we know what's best. So while God gives us some instructions 99% of the time for our own good, we decide that we're going to wear the daddy pants. 
so we get to make the rules. It's kind of like a three, it's the three-year-old's view of like parenthood. If you had a child or babysit a child or babysit my child, you would understand that there's this, I know what's better because I'm three, and that's the logic that they have. So while it's, hey, do not touch the stove, it's hot, you know, then they give you the look of defiance, like, what do you know about hot things? And they touch the stove. That's like the daddy pants syndrome. So... Uh, we can get to the place where we want to wear the daddy pants. And that happens quite often, uh, for me anyway, and I assume it does for you. So that happens uh, typically when I get to a spot where something's really jacked up, it's because I've decided to wear the daddy pants. Um, and so that's kind of what James is talking about here. So we're, we're doing life. We put on the daddy pants, decide to make the plans. I decide to have all these things uh, taken care of, and we never consulted God. We didn't consult what may happen tomorrow to even understand uh, if our plan makes sense, if it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, we get to these moments of awakening, like when something really bad happens and it wasn't at all what you were planning to do the next day. Um, you know, but something happens and you just, you know, have that kind of epiphany of, oh man, you know, it's not always just day to day, it's not always just, you know, humdrum. So, what we know is that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So, James makes that part clear. He also makes the issue of sin, wearing, wearing the daddy pants. Um, but seriously, don't run the other way with this for a second. So don't go, like, dropping out of college because James said not to plan, and so you're just going to do whatever God wants you to do, which really means you're going to live in the parents' basement where Transformers pajamas and play like Diablo 3 for six months. That's not what we're asking here. Uh, I don't want your parents to start emailing our church about why we told them that that was acceptable and why the teachers said. So we're not going to go crazy the other way. Uh, we're going to look at this in this crazy work on moderation and balance, uh, which would be all scripture through. So if we're not going to go crazy the other way, and if we're going to say, okay, how does this work? Um, let's look at the idea that the world uses. See, the world understands, right, that there is not tomorrow. That, that tomorrow is not guaranteed, right? We've all heard uh, quotes, we've all heard songs, just different things. Um, you know, the, the really famous Louisiana philosopher Tim McGraw sang that one country song about living like you're dying or something like that. I'm not a country fan. Uh, but it was something about, there was a bull in the sun, and I couldn't figure out how that was supposed to really make you think about dying, but it was in there. Uh, but there's other, like, really great minds um, and writers like Albert Einstein. He has this quote, Life is a preparation for the future, and the best preparation for the future is to live as if there were none. And there's Henry David Thoreau. You must live in the present. Launch yourself on every wave. Find your eternity in each moment. Fools stand on their island of opportunity and look towards another land. There is no other land. There is no other life but this. And when you look at that, you're like, oh, those are cool. Those are inspiring. And they're inspiring, but they're inspiring out of fear, right? They're inspiring because if I don't do it now, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? We don't know. We don't understand. And it's this great unknown. So therefore, we got to do it today. And it's kind of like cranky and gets everyone like whipped up in a frenzy. And then a couple of days we forget about it. But I think we tend to do this, uh, the forget about it part, pretty commonly as Christians. So I think... Uh, we tend to have moments where instead of acting, we say, oh, well, we'll get to that next time. We make a plan. Um, so instead of, you know, 
your, your neighbor, your co-worker, uh, your classmate who sits down and you starts this conversation, instead of engaging them in a conversation about the gospel, uh, you know, you, you do the, it doesn't feel right this time, you know, next class, next class, uh, I'll engage in that conversation in the gospel. This is, you know, I don't have time today, I gotta go do something, so I don't have time to really talk to my neighbor uh, and then tell them about, you know, what Christ has done on the cross. Uh, but I'll see him like next time I mow grass or whatever, and I'll talk to him or whatever. I, you know, we make these perpetual plans where we kind of shove off uh, these things that, that God is asking us to do, that's prompting us to do. So this is one area where we want to look at what would James' view of life look like for this. So if we didn't push these things off, if we went out and lived for today, uh, what would that look like? How would that change what we do? Would it change what we do? Should it change what we do? Uh, I know, you know, personally it would change a lot of the things that I would do. Um, there's a lot of times where... Uh, you know, with some of my co-workers or whatever, where I have a surface-level conversation about the gospel, but it's not, it, it stays on the friendly side, it doesn't get to the point necessarily where it's, you know, hey, you need to understand that if you don't believe, this is where you're going. If you don't believe, this is what happens. Um, you know, kicking it old school, like, like I talked today about, you know, being real with someone and saying, hey, you know, if you don't believe, while you may think, oh, that's kind of cool, that's not going to help you out. And we'll get into that a little more. Um, but you got to have, you got to have some reason to move, right? you got to have, like, some urgency about this. And this is the daddy pants issue. So the daddy pants issue is, I know that I can talk to them next time I'm on grass, so it's okay that I don't do it today. But in reality, you don't wear the daddy pants, and you have no idea if you're going to see your neighbor. You have no idea if you're going to see your classmate again. Um, and, and therefore, if God's prompting you to say something, then he probably wants you to say something. So this idea um, of being scared into doing something, uh, to live out of fear, to live for today because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, well, that's a world view. Um, that isn't necessarily the view that we have to have, right? Because while we may not know exactly what happens tomorrow, we do have a clue of what's ultimately going to happen. Uh, I kind of got convicted of this. I used to answer the phone because I have to do, like, pretend that I'm nice when I answer the phone, like if a customer calls. It's, it's why they pay me to do it. It's not my natural disposition. But so I answer the phone, like, hey, how's it going today? And my, I'd like, I was just like, hey, I woke up. Man, we started on the right foot. But then I started thinking about that. And on some level, like, if I didn't wake up, that may not be the worst of things to happen to me, right? I mean, I say that as if, like, I woke up suddenly, I get to come into work one more day, which I'm glad I have a job. I'm not complaining, but, you know, if it's between going to KSA and going to heaven, <laughs> I thought KSA was the antithesis of heaven sometimes, so it's, it's an, easy, an easy decision. Um, so there's this idea uh, of we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but yet we do have some hope of what's going to happen as a Christian. We do have some hope. And so, how does this tie in with James, right? How does this hope tie in? If we're going to live life differently, um, and we're going to live life like there is no tomorrow, but yet we're not going to do it from the world's point of view as, oh my gosh, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so do everything you want to do today. you got to live today, uh, because tomorrow's not guaranteed for everyone. Uh, and then, oh, go, that's a good 
stupid one, right? And we live once, which is different for every stupid thing ever done. Um, at least I do it stupidly, like I'll yell that out and do something stupid. Um, so, like, there's all these types of things that we do. It, what's the point? What's the point of living out of fear? What's the point of reacting out of fear? And there is no point. That, that's, not, uh, that's not the God we serve. That's not the God that we know. The beauty of this this whole thing and how to take James' question um, is that you know you have God Creator, right? Created created everything, uh, created us, and, and, and you know we sin, and by our nature we sin. Um, if you don't believe that, how many parents or babysitters had to teach a kid how to lie? Does that ever happen? How many parents or babysitters had to teach a kid how to be selfish? It's usually the opposite. It's usually trying to teach them, you know, to tell the truth, trying to teach them to share, you know, don't do wrestling news on your sister, that's just my house, I tell that rule. Um, and then it's usually, well, don't you tell them to me? Yeah, but that's just when we're wrestling, you can't use it on other kids, you know, that type of stuff. So, by nature, you know, we have this propensity to sin. We're born into sin. And that creates this huge chasm, right? So, if we left it at that, there's this great divide that we have no way of bridging. So we have God, Creator, um, holy and true. We have us born into sin. Um, just our natural disposition is to do the wrong thing. If left up to our own devices, um, you know, it would be, it'd be a mess out there. Um, so we have this huge divide. How, does, how do these two things coexist? So then we have God and His great mercy since it's Jesus Christ, right? God, God in person. And so, he lives a perfect life, and within living that perfect life, he gets to the point of death. So he, he's slain like, like an Old Testament sacrifice on our behalf. Um, so, now we have a way. So God, through mercy and grace, has given us a way uh, to reach the Father, to be in communion, to be in a relationship with God. And so now, you know, that, that gets us onto us is what we're going to do with that, right? So we have God the Father who sends Jesus who's, who's slain on our behalf um, and then we're left here wondering, what do we do with that? And then he gives us this hope that for those who believe and confess and have faith um, we can have a relationship, we can be in right standing with God through Jesus Christ. It's not because of our own works, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we can look at this situation and say, okay, well now there's hope. Uh, there's hope. And so we ask that question again. How do we know what's going to come tomorrow? And, and the answer is, quite frankly, we don't. But if we look at the things we do know, uh, we do know that there's a God who's loving, uh, a God who is just, uh, and a God who is merciful. So merciful, so loving, so kind, that He made a way for us by sacrificing His Son on our behalf. So if you think about that, think about what all that would mean, how, how that would happen. For those of you with kids, um, that, you know, that idea, that difficult decision uh, to save a whole world by sacrificing, you know, your own child. That shows us the person of who God is, right? That shows us that God is loving. That shows us that, that God is graceful, that God is merciful, that God is just. And so while we don't necessarily know what's going to happen tomorrow, we do know whose hands that's in. We do know that 
by nature, God is gracious. He's not some angry old dude uh, just throwing down like lightning bolts at people because they screwed up. We do know that everything we've done and everything we will do was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ for those who believe. We do know that His words don't change. His promises are true. So we do know that by His very nature, His very essence, He would only want what's best for us. And at times it really just sucks. At times it doesn't make sense. At times it doesn't feel that God's way would be the best way. At times it doesn't feel that if I, you know, do whatever God's asking me to do or refrain from whatever God's asking me to refrain from, it would make sense that ultimately would be glorifying to God and would be the best for me. But we still have this hope through the message of the gospel that God is great, God is merciful, God is just, and His grace endures forever. So we can hope, we can put hope in tomorrow in that. We can trust in that. We can make a plan knowing that God is great and God is just. And He may have us alter our plans. He may have us change what we want to do tomorrow. But ultimately, He is good. We can trust in Him. And we can trust that whatever tomorrow means, whether I'm here, whether I'm not here, uh, whether I'm healthy, whether I'm not healthy, uh, that is ultimately for His glory and what is best to serve Him. And it's, it's a different approach than what the world would take telling you to live like there's no tomorrow because you're scared to death of what's going to happen versus live like there's no tomorrow, even though tomorrow you know that it's in God's hands. And tomorrow you know that you can take peace and comfort in what God's doing. You know, you still can go out and act and be excited about what God would want you to have, be excited about what God's doing, um, listen and obey, and go out and share the gospel, go out and act and, and prove what God is doing in your life with your actions. And we can do that with urgency, not out of fear, uh, but out of peace and comfort for what God's doing. But if you're here tonight and you've not heard that this gospel message, this idea that God died for you, um, you need to understand that, that it's not a get well before you come to the doctor type of thing. It's not a, you know, one day I want to do that. I'm young, you know, that, that's not my thing. I don't want to give up all this stuff, um, you know, or I'm to the point where I have all these things going on and I don't know if I can make that commitment. And there's all kinds of excuses. Um, but if you don't have faith, if you don't believe, you left with the world's view of do what you want to do today because you don't have a clue what's happening tomorrow. And that's not the way God decided. it. The crazy part about this whole thing and, and playing in God is that God's in complete control and it seems crazy and it seems unreal at times, especially like right now in the Middle East. It seems, wow, God, how long will these people have to suffer? You know, how strong is is ISIS going to get before something happens? And, and you're in a time of unknown and things seem crazy. If you have some person going on in your life, it seems nuts at times. And, and God doesn't always feel present. But yet we can look at simple things around us and understand that, you know, there are things that there are just no explanations for. Um, there are ways that things happen, that nature happens, that, that you know, that even science happens, and, and there's not a lot of explanation for it. Um, there are ways that people have things happen in their lives, have testimonies in their lives, go from, you know, atheist to a preacher. There's these things that happen to people that there's no explanation for. The only explanation that is 
plausible with God. The only explanation that seems uh, to make the most sense is one that seems almost the craziest in some way. And so I want you to make, to make sure that you leave tonight with this opportunity. We're going to sing here in a minute. Um, but there'll be a couple people sitting over here on the couch. There'll be Brady um, and Allie. And if it's the first time you've heard this message, and if you're feeling compelled to do something about it, to ask about what happens next, okay, if I want to believe this, what happens? If I, if I want to be a Christian, what happens? If I want to have it tomorrow, that I can have faith and trust, and that God is going to take care of me versus having no clue, what happens next? See these people, see me, see anyone on stage after the service. Uh, but make sure that you, you act on that today. Make sure that you don't leave today not having that part of your life squared away, not having um, all the questions answered that you may have. Make sure you make an effort today to do that. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you uh, for, for the series of change. I thank you that uh, we've been able to to just go through chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Um, and James has continually asked us to prove it, has continually asked us to, to go out and step out in faith. Um, and he's just continually challenged us. Lord, I pray tonight that, that we can be challenged to, to not wear the daddy pants, but to see you for who you are, to see you as the sovereign God who is loving and kind, uh, but also in complete control. And I pray that. Tonight we, we can let you be in control, that, that we're, we'll be willing uh, just to, to give up control to you, to be able to listen. Um, when you ask us to move, we move. When you ask us to speak, we speak. Um, I pray that, that this idea of not knowing what happens tomorrow encourages us because we do know ultimately what could happen tomorrow. And that's for us to be in complete and total relationship with you. And that's something we can look forward to. That's uh, something that be excited about that something um, that should intrigue us, how that's going to happen, uh, what it would be like to be standing with you in front of you um, at your throne. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, just continue that work in our heart, continue uh, for us to see you for who you are and see how insignificant we are, uh, and that we can have to a better and broader understanding of you. Lord, as we sing tonight, I just want us to, uh, to be able to lift you up, uh, just to sing to you for, for all that you've done, for the grace and the mercy that you've given us, uh, sing for the work you've done on the cross to make a way for us, uh, and I just pray that we can lift you up during this time of worship. In your name we pray, amen.